0: Hi everybody, I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic to uh, chat with my friends, meet new friends, and Kim has become a dear friend just through Zoom. We haven't actually (laughs) met in person, but we're we're working on a plan to solve that. Um, Today, I just wanna remind you about it's week four of our uh, contest, our fifth anniversary contest. This week, it's really fun. I had to figure out how this one was gonna go. You need to put the mileage, the distance between you and the nearest reseller, Surefoot reseller. So if you don't know who that is, you go to the website, surefootequine.com, to the shop Surefoot, and there's a map. And on the map are little hooves. It was somewhat fun figuring that part out. Um, And you find the nearest reseller to you. And then when you click on that, a little box shows up with a, a yellow arrow to the right and you click on the yellow arrow, it takes you to the Google Maps, you put in your location, and it tells you how far away you are from the nearest reseller. Now, some of you might have to swim and some of you might have to fly because when I tried to do it from my house to Australia, it was like, no way, we can't tell you how to get there. (laughs) But if, if you run into that, just put that in the comments, go to the Surefoot Equine Facebook page or the Fans of Surefoot page, post your nearest reseller's name and the distance from you to that reseller and you'll be entered for this week's contest. Um, it's been so fantastic, and um, last week, I don't know if everybody knows, but uh, Nishan Cook won. It was completely random. We were really excited about that, so we'll be sending out his his prize soon. He hasn't told me what he wants yet, so I'm waiting to hear from him. Um, the drawing's on Friday, and so we won't, no, we'll have a webinar tomorrow and then the drawing on Friday, and you have to enter all five weeks to be eligible for the grand prize of a complete set of Surefoot pads value over $1,000, so... Um, we're really excited about this. It's been great fun. Um, I have not had to do the tallying. Alex has been doing that, so thank you, Alex, for handling all the, the behind the scenes. All right, and so today my guest is Kim Bauer, and we're going to talk about equine remedians. So, Kim, thank you so much for coming back. This is really exciting, and I'm I'm really happy to chat with you again. Yeah, well, thanks for
1: having me back, and it's been fun for me you know, every time that I've come on to, you know, put the things together and try to sort through what I want to explain and whatnot. So hopefully, what I've come up with is what people are after. Um, I'm sure. And I have a power. Well, <laughs> and you know, if, if not, ask questions. And but the main. Not, we'll just have to come back and have to do another webinar to do the one they thought was kind of <laughs> precisely. Yeah, keep them guessing, right? Keep them coming back. Um, yeah. So this one, I've basically, um, I'm going to talk through a little bit about meridians, and then I'm going to um, go through each of them individually. And I've got pictures. It was fun for me to look through old pictures of some of my horses. And then basically what I did was I drew the meridian on a picture of a horse. Mm
0: -hmm. So I
1: think that sometimes works better than seeing it
0: on a skeleton. Yeah, because we're looking at it from the outside when we're looking at the horses trying to figure this stuff out. Right, and if people don't have say an, an
1: anatomical
0: background,
1: it might be easier because they know sort of the external landmarks maybe of their own horse. Um, So I'm going under the assumption that people don't have training in acupressure, but I know people that do have training are still going to get something out of it because especially former students of mine, I usually say things differently every time I teach it or, you know, I get a different question that makes me explain something slightly differently.
0: I I Um, am sure because, you know, I've known uh, Dr. Joyce Harmon for 30 years. Yes. Um, and every time I have her on, I learn something from her and you'd think after 30 years, I might have known what she had to say, but it's a different environment. So it's always fun. That's what I like. Yeah. About this. Well, and the animals are the ones that kind of show, you know,
1: teach us the most, you know, we get a horse that for whatever reason we need to go do some research on. Okay. So I have a PowerPoint. Should I go ahead and Hang on. I got to make
0: you a co-host so you can share your screen. Okay. I forgot to do that. do, do, do. There you go. You're rolling. All right. All right.
1: So, are you seeing Yeah. Okay. Um so this is this is actually on Vashon. So, when you come to Vashon to take the, your class, um You'll get to see this model. So, this is a life size model horse.
0: No, it's, oh, I,
1: look at those ears. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, and there's no tail. So, this is his name's Cinnamon. He's a stallion. I found when I was tracing, when I was painting the meridians up in his nether regions. I was like, oh, he's a stallion. Um, so, yes. And he was very patient to, to stand um, nice and still while I painted meridians. But I was up there last year because of COVID. We didn't start teaching classes until July and then we tried to cram a year's worth into like four months so I would go up for two or three weeks at a time and just teach back-to-back classes so on my day off one day I decided to paint the meridians on um, cinnamon here and basically what um, what I want people to see from this is when we're talking about something going on with a horse one of the questions is always gonna be the location. So what we're taking into account are the organs in the body that have an external manifestation in the meridian. So each of these meridians links to an internal organ. So there might be an issue deeper in the body, which is gonna show up as perhaps a restriction on the meridian. Um, And so, for example, if we had a horse that had a stiff neck you can see in the neck area, we've got six meridians running through there. So then we'd want to investigate further. Okay, something going on in the neck. Is there also something going on maybe in the hip? And then we could trace the green line back there, which is the gallbladder meridian and see, oh, well that kind of connects from the neck through the um, torso and around the hip. And- Can I
0: back merid- you a second and ask you, how are meridians, Established in the first like where did this idea of meridians come from? Well,
1: so the the Chinese thousands of years ago found that if they pressed in certain places on the body, they got a response or a change to an internal organ, or you know, they didn't have any diagnostics like we do. So there wasn't a way to say, oh, let's take an MRI or an X-ray to see or an ultrasound um so i think a lot of it was initially trial and error and the the meridians the meridians on humans were then transposed to animals so the ones that we're talking about are called transpositional because of that they've been transposed but there are other acupressure points that aren't on these meridians that are unique to horses and they're called classical acupoints and So there are materials that talk about those because they were using horses in battle or they were using from agricultural perspectives. And if they had an injury or they were bleeding or something, they would use like rocks or sticks or things to activate an area to stop bleeding or release pain. And so they just kind of over time, it became more anecdotal information that was passed on. So a lot of the history and information about traditional Chinese medicine as a whole is been passed down orally. And since China is a really big country, you're going to have slight variations in different regions. Um, does that answer your, your question? Yeah, yeah,
0: I didn't realize what it was an oral tradition. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us told through stories
1: um, and making references, like when we talked about the temperament typing and the five elements, those were based on looking at nature and what had to go on in the seasonal cycles of, you know, you plant the crops in the spring, they get warm in the summer, you you know, so reap what you sow in the fall. So um, yeah, there's some beautiful sort of poetic and, um, I don't know, just interesting ways to understand this that's not just textbook stuff.
0: Right, and and, um, so I guess my next question is how long have we been sort of transposing the human meridian lines onto horses? Is this something that we've been a hundred years, a thousand years? Is probably a thousand. Wow. I don't know for sure, Um, but you know, there's a lot of ancient texts. Pardon? A long time,
1: not just longer than I've been alive.
0: (laughs) That's what I I guess that, that it's an old, old
1: study. It's a very old study. Yes. And So one of the um, ways that kind of the energy is described or the meridians are described are as energetic pathways. So we have chi, which is loosely translated to life force energy. A lot of people have heard of it as chi or ki like in Reiki. Um, So it's either K-I or Q-I or C-H-I. And so there's chi and there's other sort of fluids that are moving around through the meridians all the time. And then there's a two-hour period during the day when that energy is really focused in each of the organ systems. So for example, from 3 to 5 a.m. is the time of lung. And so if they're, you know, we don't see this in much, as much with horses, but, you know, dogs and cats that live with us, if you have an animal that's waking you up at 4 a.m. every morning because they're coughing or they're having trouble breathing, that could be indicative that there's something going on with their act with their lung system. Hmm. And by lung system, I mean potentially something with the organ or something along the path of where that lung meridian flows. So, um, so the, these energetic pathways they kind of meander their way through the body and we start with lung, which we'll talk about first, but then it flows down to, in the case of the horse, it starts in the chest. Well, it does in people and dogs too. It starts in the chest and it flows down to the front foot and then it transitions to the sister meridian, which in this case is the large intestine and makes it its way back up to the head. So there's this flow of energy or ribbon of energy that often is um, referred to as like a stream analogy. And so the energy is flowing smoothly throughout the body in each of these 12 main meridians constantly. But if you have, whether it's an injury or a surgery or something that might create a blockage on one of the meridians, kind of like if we put a big old boulder in a body of water and we try to sort of dam up the stream, the energy will still flow around it but it's not going to be as optimal as it as it could be and so what we would be doing with, with acupressure pressure would be trying to find these blockages and remove them to restore the harmonious flow of chi
0: so so let's see if i got this right there's uh meridians that have been studied for thousands of years in china that they then transposed onto horses but horses have some unique meridians of their own and they the meridians are associated with an organ and there needs to be a flow. Have I got it? You got it. The only the only correction
1: I would make is they don't have other meridians of their own, but they have other acupressure points of oh. their own. Like if you've ever seen some of those horse models that have like little dots all over the place and they're numbered up to like 200, those are the classical points. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, With these being superficial, these meridians that we're talking about, these 12 major ones, there are internal branches. So um, there are other smaller meridians that we're not seeing or we're not able to touch, but they're going on kind of behind the scenes. So for example, a lot of people know the bladder meridian, which is the blue one on the um, top of, of cinnamon here that goes along the top of the neck over the withers and along the back. Along there, we have the association points or also called the back shoe points. And that's where we do a lot of our assessing because there is a branch from each of those points that goes down to the internal organs. So right behind the withers is the point that's related to the lung, bladder 13. And then just behind it, you have pericardium and heart. And so there are little tiny branches so even though we're working superficially, we can have some very profound, deep impact on the functioning of not only any blockages along the meridian, but potential issues that might be going on with the
0: organ itself. And you know, we we've had um, people on and talking about fascial lines. So f- it, those are separate lines from meridian lines, right?
1: Yeah, but you know, it's funny. It, well, two things are funny. One on the other side of cinnamon, I painted the fascial lines, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't have a picture of it, but that's, that's for a different class. Um, But yeah, what, what they've been finding with some of these dissections that the Danish veterinarians, um, Dr. Schultz and Elbron have done on the horses is that there are some correlations. So like the bladder meridian, I was just talking about correlates to the superficial dorsal line. And then the stomach meridian correlates to the superficial ventral line. Um, And then the gallbladder meridian is related to the lateral line. So there are, Mm. they're now being able to show through the dissections that what the Chinese came up with thousands of years ago really does make sense because there's these fascial lines when you follow the muscle fiber direction that you can go all the way from the head to the hind foot. And it, it's along the same
0: path of the meridian. Wow. It's so interesting to see how, what we may have thought of as really different systems are really all related. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. And the fact that, you know, this theory and all these meridians and points are still holding true, you know, now with all the diagnostics and whatnot, that it's just fascinating
0: to me. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm just like, it, it's really fun to see all these inner interconnections. That's one of the things I really like. Right. Um, And then,
1: so when we're talking about the, the organs and the meridians, when I go through them, we're going to be thinking about issues might be due to the function of that organ or, and, or the location of that meridian. Because what happens when we have an imbalance or an issue is, it could be something that started superficially externally like i said you know an injury or a surgery or you know some kind of trauma to the outside but it could also come from the inside and that's like an emotion so that's where you know traditional chinese medicine takes into account the whole being and so if you have an animal that is say grieving because either they've lost a pasture mate or they've been moved to a new home and that grief doesn't get resolved If it goes deeper in the body, that's going to start impacting the lung because the grief is the emotion that goes with the lung. So we can have things that start as an external issue or an internal issue, or sometimes it's just kind of, you know, like a reaction to a a vaccine or moldy hay or, you know, something that you wouldn't really categorize as one or the
0: other. Um, Somebody's asked, um, do the disappearing lines meet up internally? And I think like on cinnamon here, you can see like that line coming up from the girth groove and it kind of just ends. (laughs) The brown one? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what happens is um, that, so that's the spleen. That's where the end of the spleen meridian is. And then yeah, energetically or internally, there's a link to the next one in the flow, which is actually gonna be heart, which is in the armpit. So when you trace them on humans, they're a little bit closer together where you leave off with one and then and the sister picks up. On horses, there's a little bit of a bigger space, obviously. But yeah, so there's they're, they're still connected, but um, that's the, that's spleen 21. That's the last point on the spleen meridian. And then we're gonna pick up at heart one in the armpit.
0: So when you talk about these numbers, like spleen 21, um, that, that's the acupuncture point or acupressure point that's along that meridian? Do I understand right. that? Right. Yeah.
1: And so the Chi- there are Chinese names for each of the points, and I don't know them all. I know some um, which are more descriptive, like There's one, a point near the hawk that's called Kunlun Mountain, which I think is so cool because the lateral malleolus is like a big old mountain and the point is right at the base of that. But we generally talk about them in numbers, partly so you know the direction they go. So obviously 21 is the end of the line for spleen and then one is down on the hind foot. So you know the direction and the flow based on the numbers and that's more of a Western piece of it. And then the only other thing I would add on this slide before I get going, well, first of all, at the top of my screen, can you see, I have a little menu that's blocking some of the text. Do you see that or no?
0: Nope, only it came down and went
1: back up. Okay, so then I won't worry about the fact that I'm blocking anything. Nope. Um, And then the last thing I was gonna mention because I've had questions from people. One, I got one from somebody after the last webinar. but I've had other people ask me and they say, well, you know, are there acupressure points I can use to help my animal if they have a particular issue? And the answer is, well, yes, there's plenty of them. But I thought to give people a takeaway from this, the Jing well points, sometimes are referred to as Ting points and they're all around the coronary band on the front and the hind. And the 12 main meridians we're talking about are bilateral. So they're on the left and they're on the right. And six of them beginner end on the front feet and six of them beginner end on the hind feet. And that's where the energy of the organs is the most superficial because you've got one sister bringing the energy down to the hoof and then going just next door to where the other sister starts and it brings it back up. So just by like rubbing your thumb around the hairline above the hoof, or doing little digital circles, you could potentially see if one of these points feels different than the others. Or you know if one is kind of squishy and raised or one's kind of sunken in. And that would be a really nice way to balance essentially the entire meridian. Because with the energy being the most superficial there, the reason they're called Jing well points is that's where the energy from the earth kind of wells up. and as you go up the limb, the bodies of water get bigger. So it goes from like a stream to a river to a sea to an ocean. And as that happens, the energy goes deeper into the meridian. So these are easy to find and they could have a profound impact. So when people are grooming their horses or picking out their feet, they might just want to spend some time experimenting with the area. And if they find a point that either is sensitive or feels kind of Cool and empty of energy, they might spend some time just sort of either rubbing their thumb there or scratching at it. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in.
0: Oh, interesting. Um, and then uh, Dorothy says it also makes sense of the viscerosomatic and somatovisceral associations and also psychosomatic effects that I learned at chiropractic college. So so there, that takes us back. To um, the idea that the mental, emotional, physical bodies are all interrelated, right? Right. Yeah. And you know, for people like I'm right now, I'm
1: taking a class on visceral therapy, and it's talking about the different ligamentous attachments and nerves along the spine, and those a lot of those are a- correlating to where the acupressure points are that I'd be assessing. So, like you know, the the stomach. The point for the stomach is coddled to the last rib right at the thoracolumbar junction and if that's sensitive then you think stuff going on with stomach because of acupressure but now also in this class it could be stomach the actual viscera has something going on like and maybe you know it's something physical with the stomach but it also may just be that the organ is restricted in its movement fascially with the other internal organs. So there's, you know, all these amazing overlaps and that's what just keeps me getting, you know kind of excited about it. Cause I'm like, oh, here's another layer that makes sense. And here's another layer and, and that it's, you know with acupressure, there are animals that don't like needles. So mm. acupressure we can do as non-vets and it can complement the work of, you know a veterinary acupuncturist but it's really empowering I think for people to be able to help their own animals with you know a point here or a point there um when there maybe something's going on yeah somebody wants to know the name of that visceral course you're taking <laughs> it's called visceral therapy um and we are actually hosting it at at the northwest school of animal massage i have been working with a vet from belgium and she's an osteopath acupuncture uh, vet and she has put together this online class with theory and videos. And then when COVID restrictions are better, she's gonna come over um, to the U.S. and teach a one day hands-on class. So um, if you go to nwsam.com and look at continuing ed offerings, you will see visceral
0: therapy. Um, Just putting that in the chat. Okay. Hopefully I spelled it right. Um, and somebody else is asking if there's an uncomplicated book regarding meridians and horses that someone who's just learning can can uh, read about. But maybe um, we'll answer that later uh, with another. Word. Yeah. Let. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me go um, on. I to have later. one other one other comment. Sure. Is, is that a skull behind Cinnamon's back leg? Yeah. <laughs> The flag with the yeah, flag okay. painted on it? I've been looking at that for a while. I was like, oh, I think that's a skull. Oh, it is a cow skull, is it? It's got horns. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, and Cinnamon needs some repairs because with all the wind and weather and storms, uh, part of the tree came down on him and now his legs have broken off. So I have to repaint him and we have to glue him back. All his Humpty Dumpty. We have to put him back together again. Where did you find him? Lola, who owns the school... Someone had him. I don't know if he was part of a at a like a store, tax store, or something, but she bought him, and we've used him for different classes we teach. But it's like he's such a nice canvas. So I, yeah, we decided he'd be good for the acupressure meridians on one side and the fascial lines on the other side. He's so, awesome, actually. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna um, we're gonna start with lung because. Generally speaking, when a, when an animal or a human is born, the first thing that needs to happen is they need to take a breath, right? So mm-hmm. lung is responsible for breath. So we're going to follow the energetic flow of, um, have you moved
0: your, your slide. Cause we're still stuck not up. yet. Okay. Just check Because as soon as this is,
1: a, you know, I have a teaching background. As soon as I do that, no, one's going to listen to me. They're going to oh. be looking at the pictures. So I'm setting it up and then I'm going to turn it. Okay. Um, yeah. But thank you for making sure. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, if, if an animal's not breathing, they're not going to have chi energy flowing. And so we start with lung and then we meander through all the organs. So I'm following the circadian clock. So I'm going in the two hour increments. All right. So to start with, um, I just want to revisit the metal element and lung and large intestine are the two sisters. This is, uh, my horse Gato. And I realized the silver lines are hard to see. So I'll use my pointer here, I think in a second, go over them and then I, in the next two slides, I made the meridians purple. Um, But since it's metal element, usually the the meridians are either gray or silver. And um, generally speaking, a horse that is a metal type, they tend to be more regal rather than pretty. Um, Sometimes they have a Roman nose, They tend to have upright joints, especially in the front legs because the lung and large intestine meridian run on the front legs. And they tend to be kind of choppy, um, stiff gates. Because it's metal, metal is pretty rigid. So not super flexible either in mind or body. Um, And so when they're out of balance, you might see some rigidity or they might be shut down or they might be kind of aloof. Like they don't really want to engage. Um, I think I have a little pointer here. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. So can you see a red thing? Yep. Okay. So the lung meridian starts in the belly of the pectoral muscle. So the lung itself, the lung organ, is the most superficial of the internal organs. It's the highest up in the, in the body cavity. So there's a branch from the organ that goes to the first point. So lung one right here in the belly of the pectoral muscle, and it's it's both sides, it's bilateral. So from here, the meridian goes down and it's coming on the medial side. The lung is the yin organ of the pairing and large intestine is yang. So the yin meridians tend to be on the medial and ventral side of the horse and the yang ones are more lateral and dorsal. And so, we come down like this towards the carpus and then it goes back a little bit further and i'll show you a side view in the next slide and then it goes down and ends at the coronet band um, like two-thirds the distance back towards the heel bulbs and then the sister large intestine you go forward a smidge on the coronet band and that's where large intestine is and it comes up crosses the carpus, and then it would continue on that same leg, but for visuals I'm showing you here, it comes up and it goes along the humerus to the point of the shoulder, and then it comes up the neck, and then it comes along the jaw and ends by the nostril. So in the next slide, so um, so I've, I've, I've got the same picture here that I had with lung coming down like that, but you can't really see it. So then I, this is a picture of Gato when he was a youngster. So I've got it in purple and basically you can see when it's coming down the medial side of the front leg, it's towards the front. So there are three meridians on the medial side of the front leg. So the lung is the most forward or cranial and it comes down to the carpus. And there's something called the styloid process, which is the bone like right here on our wrist. And from there, there's a point by that. And then from there, it goes down and it comes down to the hoof right here at lung 11. So there's 11 points on this meridian. And the lung itself is obviously responsible for any kind of breathing, um, respiration. If The animal has strong, healthy lungs. The animal can take in a deep breath. And then the energy of it is to go down deeper into the body. And then the kidney, who we'll talk about in a little bit, grasps that breath and roots it deeper in the body. So if you have a a horse that has either weak lung or kidney, you may have shallow breathing, um, like heaves, COPD. In humans, asthma would be a disconnect between lung and kidney. In addition, the lung and large intestine are responsible for the exterior of the body. And I like to refer to it as kind of their suit of armor, since it's the metal element, their protective mechanism or exterior of the body is what's going to keep them healthy. And, if, and that's basically their immune system. So if they don't have a healthy lung, you may see immune system issues, you may see skin and coat issues like dry skin. Um, we already talked about the emotion being grief. And then on, uh, on a couple different levels, both emotional and physical, the metal element has to do with letting go. So taking in a good quality, deep breath, but also exhaling what we're not going to use. And then the sister, the large intestine on the other end, is responsible for letting go of waste. So sometimes, if an animal is out of balance in the metal element, they may be constipated or they may have dryness issues because there needs to be a certain amount of moisture so that the lung isn't dry and they're not coughing, and so that they're able to, you know, excrete manure and have it be um, not super
0: dry. So the- Um, well, what I'm finding interesting is the large intestine meridian doesn't go to the back end of the horse. Exactly. (laughs) However, there are, you know, so the meridians
1: are where they are, but like when I was talking about the bladder meridian and the association points, the bladder association point bladder 25 is, um, back near the tubercoxia. So when I'm assessing the large intestine with this red dot, so my large intestine association point would be like right about here. So that's above the large intestine organ. So it would be in that general area. So, you know, that's why we do a thorough assessment and why we pay so much attention to the points along the back because they have that internal branch to the physical organ. There's another category of points on the ventral midline called alarm points That are basically under the organ, but then the restrictions of along the meridian, you know, the meridian may not be physically next to the organ. Yeah. So yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, and so then the large intestine meridian we saw previously, but so you get a side view. So it comes up, and there's a point just below the carpus that's large intestine four that you a lot of horse people will notice when they take the bit out of their horse's mouth, they immediately rub their muzzle right below their their knee. Basically they're working their large intestine four point, which is the master point for the face and mouth. Um, So they're kind of self-treating their own acupressure point. So it comes up to here and then it twists around the carpus and we're gonna jump legs for the sake of illustrating. So large intestine is the furthest forward on the outside of the leg comes under the humerus to the point of shoulder, comes up the neck, and then it comes along the jaw and it goes and it stops at the nostril. And it actually crosses to the nostril on the other side, but um, so anytime we have an issue along the path of either of these meridians, we would be thinking, okay, I may need to do something to support either lung or large intestine. So respiratory issues, like we already talked about, colic, you know, if we got colic, um, we would be thinking, depending on what type of colic, this actual horse, Gato, has colic a couple times. And through me checking association points and a few others, it was, in fact, his large intestine. But I was checking stomach points, large intestine points, small intestine points. And when I got to the large intestine point, he about tried to kick me. So then I did some points in that area um, and luckily it was mild and the vet didn't need to come out. Um, So you might see pain or restriction anywhere either of these meridians run. Questions about either lung or large intestine?
0: Doesn't seem like it. Um, Okay. Oh wait, wait. Uh, could you please say again what you said about the horse rubbing his muzzle on its on its leg when you took the bit out? Sure. So there's an acupressure point, large intestine four, and it's just
1: below the carpus or knee. I I don't usually call it the knee because technically the knee is the stifle since it has a patella, but just below the the joint here, and it's right up at basically the top of the splint bone. And that's an acupressure point. It's large intestine four. So it's the fourth one up on this meridian and it's on both front legs. And a lot of horses, when you take a bit out of their mouth, will go rub right in that area. And they're basically, it's what's called a master point. So it's not located anywhere near the mouth, but it, it influences the region of the face and mouth and you can see if we follow the meridian up it does in fact go you know across the jaw and and to the nose um so it's a point that will influence a region of the body that makes sense
0: yep and um uh hang on yep uh, so somebody's wondering if that means they're experiencing discomfort
1: maybe or it just is a nice way like you know after you've been to the dentist and you've had your mouth open for a while sometimes you know there might be a little sensitivity there Um, on us it's right here so it's right in the webbing back against our second finger Um, so people will often use it for like headaches i would say if somebody's horse was going to have dental work or post-dental work, it might be a nice
0: area to rub just, you know, preventatively to help your horse feel better. And, and folks, I see you've got a bunch of stuff going on in the chat, but it's really hard for me to follow the chat and listen to Kim when the chat's not following the webinar. So I just appreciate, we can hold that off till the end. Okay. Just makes my life easier because I'm trying to read the chats, follow that and follow Kim. Thanks. Yeah, I can't even see the chat, so that's good, because that would be a distraction. It's It's just getting, it gets a little conversational over there, and it's just a little hard for me to to stay with you. Okay, onward. All right, so
1: moving along. So then we got the earth element. Um, So stomach and spleen are the two organs that are related to that. So spleen is the yin one, stomach is the yang one. So the yin organs tend to have um, more written about them because they're a little more vital they tend to transform things and um, the young ones tends to transport things so like the stomach is you know holding basin for the food and the water but then it moves on to the intestines whereas the spleen is responsible for kind of taking in nutrients so they these two work closely together but then the spleen's job is to transform what's been digested into blood and chi and things that are usable that get circulated around the body. So like I said before, the yin ones tend to be medial um, and ventral and the yang ones tend to be lateral and dorsal. And in general, your earth element horses have kind soft eye, sort of a thick lip, uh, wide forehead or wide between the eyes They're your heavy body, easy keeper types that will get, you know, gain weight on just about anything. And they'll get a little grumpy or lazy if they're either not appreciated or they can get a little apathetic about things if they're not feeling 100%. So we left off with the large intestine up by the nostril. So in this case... We were there, so then we jump up to just below the eye to pick up the stomach meridian, and then that goes down like this, and it actually goes along the belly, and then it comes over the stifle and down to basically 12 o'clock position on the front of the hoof, and then the spleen one starts medially, comes up, and then it kind of comes to almost to the elbow, and then it stops in the middle there at 21. So the stomach's main job, like I mentioned, is digestion and it's, it's going to hold on to the nutrients and then it's gonna transport it down into the body. So the energy of the stomach or the stomach chi goes down and this is not a, so much an issue with horses, but there's something called rebellious stomach chi. So when the stomach chi is not going the right direction, Meaning down when it goes up in humans or dogs or cats, you get vomiting, so that would be an indication that the stomach chi isn't happy. Uh, horses, you know, you might get like hiccups or some kind of discomfort from them. Um, but you can see based on the location of this meridian that in a lot of cases, if you have TMJ issues or stifle issues, and a lot of times those two go together. One of the first places you would be thinking about is the stomach meridian because once the stomach comes down, meridian comes down by the corner of the mouth, it goes up through the masseter and it, it, there's a point right below the TMJ and then there's one right above it. So those w- might be sensitive and then it's coming down basically kind of the jugular groove area of the neck and it comes between the front legs. Um, and then it's on the ventral midline here. And then it's going to come right over the stifle and all the way down to stomach 45 is the last point down there. So then, spleen, like I said, you know, it's going to be um, dealing with digestion. So the health of the muscle. So if you have an animal that has muscle atrophy, Or sometimes in some of the metabolic horses, we see they're kind of puffy and there's not really any muscle definition. That means that they're not, the horse isn't assimilating their nutrients very well. And you'd be thinking about stomach and spleen. Uh, Oftentimes earth horses will be very busy or orally fixated, not like bitey, but they just like to play with things. Um, Like they'll put the farrier's tools in their mouth or, or whatnot. And the emotion that goes with the earth element is kind of a worry, and it might be worrying about food because they are always looking for their next meal, but it also can be kind of, they can get a little bit obsessive about things. So these might be your cribbers or ones that kind of stall weave. Um, Those would show that they're not feeling particularly grounded Um, and... So you might also, with uh, the spleen, is really responsible for fluids, um, and like I mentioned, the formation of blood. So any kind of edema, stocking up, especially if it's down on the hind legs, you know, down along where the spleen channel is, and then, um, you know, ulcers, colic, those might be indications that there's something going on with one or the other or both of these meridians. All right, and then we've got the fire element. So the fire, and so we've basically followed the flow. Let me back up for a sec. Um, So we went, we started in the chest for lung. We went down to the front foot. Then we went from the front foot with large intestine up to the nose. And then we went from stomach by the eye down to the hind foot. And then we went with spleen from the hind foot up to the thoracic area. So basically we've completed one revolution of down the front leg, up, down the body, back up. Now we're gonna go to heart, which is in the armpit and we're gonna go down the front leg again. And then we're gonna go up to the head and then we're gonna go to the hind foot and then we're gonna come back. So there's basically kind of three cycles. So you're wherever you leave off, you're looking for your next meridian. And that's the flow throughout the day. So like, you know, I said lung was from 3 to 5 a.m. So large intestine's time is 5 to 7 a.m. Stomach is 7 to 9. Spleen is 9 to 11. Now we're going to go to heart, which is basically from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., which is basically the heat of the day, you know, noon being when the sun's the highest so that the heart meridian straddles that time. So fire element animals tend to be a little bit lighter boned. Everybody seems to say, oh, they're so pretty. Um, And they have kind of a refined face. They often have little delicate ear tips. Not always, but there's usually keeping breeds in mind. You know, a a fire draft horse is going to look different than a fire Arabian horse. Um, And then the emotions or, um, yeah, the emotions that they might uh, present with when they're out of balance is they might be anxious, they might be very over, overly reactive or overly dramatic. They really don't do well with any kind of pain um, and they might be nervous. So these are the ones that kind of literally burn themselves out and they drop weight quickly. And so what you can see here is the heart meridian We left off over here at spleen. We're going to the armpit. So I put it on this leg. So right in the axillary space or in the armpit is heart one and heart's the furthest back on the inside of the leg. So lung was the most forward, heart's the furthest back. And then in a little bit, we're going to put pericardium in the middle. So heart comes down towards the carpus and just above the accessory carpal bone, it twists around to the outside. So I put it on this one just to show it. And it comes down to the hoof and then the sister, the small intestine, you just go forward and you come up and then it crosses, well, it doesn't cross, but it jogs back. So it's the furthest back on the outside of the leg up to the elbow, comes up uh, at the height of the shoulder does a little zigzag on the uh, scapula, and then it comes up the neck, comes just below the outer corner of the eye, and then it stops right in front of the ear. So the heart's job is any kind of circulation issues, um, deals with the blood vessels, The animal's sort of spirit or Shen is said to reside in the heart and that's the monarch of the body. So if everything else is going well in the body, then the monarch's gonna be happy. But if there are issues, then um, the thing that's gonna impact the heart the most is heat. So if it's too hot either in the body or too hot outside, you may see a horse that has some issues um, with sweating or trouble with anhydrosis and the orifice that goes with the heart meridian is the tongue. So sometimes you'll see horses that stick their tongue out or when they're resting they just the tip of the tongue is kind of um, sticking out and you know I've mentioned in previous webinars we're always looking for a pattern. So we're not going to say oh he sticks his tongue out he's got problems with his heart, you know, but you look for like three or more indicators or patterns that would show an imbalance in a particular organ system or meridian. And then the sister, the small intestine, um, the job, oops, the job for that is the small intestine is separating out. So the nutrients went from the stomach and then they're going down to the intestines and they're being sorted into this is still usable send it back up in the body to be circulated or this is not usable we're going to send it down to be excreted so there's an emotional or mental piece to the small intestine that deals with discernment so the ability to discern right from wrong or this is a good idea or this is a bad idea and and this horse of mine gato here I swear, every time he would lay down, he has this big pasture, he would lie down to roll right next to the fence. So he was not discerning, hmm, not the greatest place to roll. You know, he never did get stuck, but it always, if I saw him, I was just like, please don't get stuck. Um, So it might be horses that seem to be making bad decisions. And with the um, fire element, you might see, you know, issues with heart. So whether it's heart rate or, you know, heart palpita not heart palpitations, um, heart murmurs. Not that's anything we'd be diagnosing, but if you know a client says the vet diagnosed my horse with a heart murmur or something. Again, sweating might be indicating an imbalance, and sometimes you'll have horses that'll have sweat patterns along a particular meridian. So I'm always, you know, if someone says my horse has a sweat patch. I'm saying, well, where is it? You know, send me a picture so I can see, does it correlate to the path of a particular meridian? And then the other thing that can happen with the small intestine is is a leaky gut, which I think we're seeing more of in horses, possibly because some of the feeds are genetically modified or you get synthetic supplements or things and the body doesn't know what to do with those So, they leak through the small intestine and they get into the bloodstream, and the body mounts an immune response. And you start seeing, you know, skin issues or you start seeing autoimmune diseases um, because of that. And then we've got the water element, so, uh, kidney and bladder and so again we left off with small intestine up by the ear so then um, the bladder meridian starts at the inner corner of the eye runs down the top of the neck over the withers here are where all those association points are i was talking about and then it comes down along kind of the poverty groove here on the lateral side of the hawk and then down to the lateral side of the hoof and then the kidney actually starts between the heel bulbs, comes up to the hock. It actually does a little circle around here, which I have on the next picture. Comes up and then this is the closest into the ventral midline, but not directly on it. And it comes up like this. And then it ends in the chest above where the lung meridian started. So water element type horses are very refined. They're long and lean and they are amazing movers. But when they get out of balance, these are the ones that will panic. They'll be fearful. They'll rear. They just are not, they're not, they're looking out for themselves. So they can be a little bit dangerous to be around if they're out of balance and they're not paying attention to where you are. So the bladder itself is, again, it's a young organ. So it's just kind of storing um, urine and then it's excreting it. The possible issues with kidney and bladder can be arthritis, anywhere along the path of either meridian, back problems, um, reproductive issues, teeth problems, um, because the kidney is responsible for what's called essence, which is what the animal's born with. So they get it from the parents. So you might have a young horse that's having some developmental issues or growth problems or teeth problems or bone problems. And it might be that they didn't get the greatest essence from their parents. Maybe it was late in the breeding season and the stallion had bred a ton of mares already. Or maybe it was an older mare that had, you know, been a brood mare for 10 years. So they didn't have the greatest essence to give to their offspring. Um, so anything to do with bones, um, the other indicator can be a mane and tail that are sparse or that maybe go um, gray, like in humans, if they go people go gray early in their hair, that could indicate a weak kidney essence. And as I talked about at the beginning, Kidney is gonna grasp the chi that's sent down from the deep breath and rooted in the lower portion of the body. So, and then I already mentioned um, fear. And then the other piece that goes with it is ears where um, older animals tend to lose hearing. And that's with the declining kidney essence, the ears are the orifice that's related to the kidney. And then on, on this picture here, I'm just showing where kidney um, ends. So kidney 27 is right on either side of the manubrium. So it's above the first rib. Most horses have divots there. Like there's, there, if you look at them, some horses, depending on their muscling, you can just see those two points. They're close into the midline and they're on either side of the manubrium above the first rib. So it's just kind of like you settle right into them. All right. And then the last, oh, no, we got one fire and then we got wood. Okay. Um, so we talked about fire already with heart and small intestine. The other two meridians that tie in are the pericardium, which is the heart protector. So it's pretty much linked to the same functions as the heart. And then something called the triple heater or the san jiao, which is not a physical organ. It's more of an energetic organ um, that's unique to Chinese medicine that divides the body into three regions. And the triple heater kind of orchestrates the movement of fluids through these three regions of the body. So again, fire types tend to be lighter boned and refined and pretty, can get anxious or nervous, or when they're out of balance, they could also get depressed. So the pericardium meridian. So we left off with kidney, okay? Kidney 27. Pericardium actually starts just behind the elbow on the side of the body. So I've got a little red dot here, and then it comes into the armpit. So on the inside, and then it comes down the middle of the front leg. So we've got lung in front of it and heart behind it. Your landmark for coming down is the chestnut. So Pericardium is coming in front of the chestnut and then it comes back by the accessory carpal bone and then it goes straight down the back and it ends between the heel bulbs. And then the sister, the Sam Jow or triple heater starts at basically 12 o'clock on the front of the hoof comes up to the carpus. And then it goes in the middle here because we've got large intestine on the front and we've got small intestine in the back. So triple heaters coming up. It comes by the shoulder behind the shoulder joint because large intestine was in front of the shoulder joint. And then this comes up the neck and it comes around the ear and it ends above um, the eye is where triple heater 23 is. So like I said, pericardium basically protects the heart. So it is Um, sort of the foyer or the moat around the castle where the monarch or the ruler is. So it's going to try to keep harmful things out of the monarch's space. It also deals with interpersonal trust. So the ability to let someone get close to you. So if you have kind of a wary, suspicious horse that's maybe new to you or new to a barn, they may be showing some signs of Not quite trusting right away. And then the triple heater, (coughs) like I said, is more of an energetic organ and it helps move fluid throughout the regions of the body. The upper heater is where your lung and your pericardium and your heart are. So this is kind of the upper uh, heater. Middle heater is going to be stomach, spleen, liver, gallbladder. And then the lower is basically large intestine, small intestine, kidney, sort of your um, organs that deal with waste or getting things out of the body. So you might see tension in the chest or girth area because of the location of the pericardial meridian starting on the body, running into the armpit. So cinchy horses might need some work um, on these meridians. But otherwise, a lot of the indicators would be related to heart and small intestine. And lastly, the wood element. So gallbladder liver and horses do not have a gallbladder. However, they have a gallbladder meridian. And a lot of times um, they will be kind of stiff along the gallbladder meridian. So I don't know if it's because they don't have the organ. I know, for example, I may have told this in a previous webinar. My mom had her gallbladder removed probably 50 years ago, and she has restrictions along her gallbladder meridian. So even though the organ's gone, the energy is still there. So wood types tend to be, pretty, you know, muscular. They have a big presence, even if they're not a super big horse. They, um, when they're out of balance, they can be almost dangerous. I mean, they're irritable, they're, they will bite or kick. They can be angry and aggressive. The liver's job, the liver is kind of the strategic planner or the general of the body. The liver is sending chi around, and if all is well, it should be flowing smoothly. If it's stuck somewhere, even if it's not on one of these two meridians, we would still be considering doing something to support the liver because of its function of um, circulating qi fluidly or harmoniously. So you can see given the path of the gallbladder meridian in particular, so in this case, we're going from the outer corner of the eye, around the ear, we're bisecting the neck. So any this goes right through the cervical. So any kind of cervical issue, arthritis, horses with wobblers, um, and then it, it goes, it's, goes under the scapula and we pick it up on the side of the body and it comes up by the last rib and around the hip and down to the hind leg. Um, so these two uh, meridians and organs deal with the connective tissue. So tendons, ligaments, fascia, anything that's tight, you'd be thinking wood element, whereas muscles would be thinking earth, okay? The gallbladder also deals with good judgment. Um, So there's the discerning part of small intestine and then there's the acting upon or having the gall to act upon something is related to gallbladder. Um, And so sometimes if, if they're out of balance, you might have a very timid horse or people that are very timid that kind of mumble and don't talk loudly could be indicating something with gallbladder. And then liver starts on the medial side of the hoof, comes up kind of more on the front aspect of the um, lower leg along in front of the hock, up near uh, the saphenous vein, kind of the bulge of the adductor muscles. And then it comes along um, like the bottom of the 17th rib, and then it ends at the 13th rib, kind of at the costochondral junction, so where the ribs turn to cartilage. And then you start over again at lung, you go from there, and then you go back to the chest. So liver's job, like I mentioned, is for the harmonious flow of chi, it stores the blood. So the time of day for liver is 1 to 3 a.m. So it's storing the blood, kind of nourishing it, which goes along with kind of nourishing connective tissue, lubricating things, Um, the hooves, the health of the hooves or in humans, uh, fingernails is related to liver. The eyes are the orifice that are related to it. So if you have any kind of eye problems like uveitis or conjunctivitis or something, you'd be thinking wood element. Uh, Also seizures, allergies, and horses that have, um, you know, that are wood types or are out of balance in wood can have issues with um, toxins. So they may may be ones that don't do well with very many vaccines. They need primarily whole foods, not a whole lot of supplements. Uh, They're the ones that have problems sometimes with tying up. So yeah, so those, you know, I realize that's a lot of information to throw out, but hopefully that kind of gives a little bit of a sense of the relationship between the organs and the meridians and that we might see, you know, something along the path of the meridian or by knowing what each organ's job is, then when they're not doing their job properly, we can be like, oh, I need to go support the spleen because of, digestive problems, or I need to go support the kidney
0: because there's bone issues. Well, and, and someone pointed out, it's not that horses don't produce bile, but that they don't store bile. Right. Yeah. Good point.
1: And, and, you know, they're not eating meat or anything, you know, they're, they're herbivores. And I think the liver takes up more of the role
0: um, since they don't have the gallbladder. And, and of course, uh, you know, liver meridian There's a couple that uh, ring for me because I, because of the accident I had, they sliced through the gallbladder meridian uh, scar, but liver, and of course, after, after I had the surgery, they gave me hepatitis C because they gave me blood transfusions, which I'm now cured. I finally was able to get the treatment, but liver meridian is dear to my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Um, I can see that. Been a lot of time, and I can remember when I would wake up in the morning before I knew I had, I didn't find out I had hep C until 2005, and I had the surgery in 84. Um, wow. But the hallmark was I would get up in the morning, my feet would be contracted and hurt like crazy until they spread out. So the tendons, and I think <laughs> this, that this is something, you know, when people, I, I know from Dr. Harmon, when people have horses with tendon injuries, um, that liver meridian is something that's really important to look at. Yeah. Um, We tend to think of it in isolation. So um, uh, uh, somebody's asking um, the tying up. That's also uh, one of my horses tied up in January and was found to have raised liver enzymes, probably following some myotoxin containing, contaminating the hay. Um, I did forget to mention that when I had my liver tested, when I found out I was finding out I had hep C, my horse was, we decided to have him tested because he wasn't right and his liver enzymes were elevated at the same time that mine were. Oh, wow. So um, if you have a horse that you're really well connected to and you think there's something going on the horse, you might want to get checked or vice versa. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you hear about the, our animals taking on our stuff, right? They're trying
1: to help you know, help us because you are so connected. Yeah. And that's a really good point. Yeah.
0: And wow. he was a fire horse. So very sensitive guy, very pretty. Um, but definitely. So um, let's see. Um, thinking of an introverted quiet pony that outwardly appears earthlike but fearful. Uh, I guess somebody's wondering, oh, I know the horse she's talking about. <laughs> um, how would you describe that? Like, and I think that kind of goes back to some of our talks about temperament, but, um, you know, if, appears earth-like, but fearful. Is this an Icelandic horse?
1: No, um, No. Joanne. Because there's someone who did a consultation with me after one of them who
0: has an Icelandic that was showing fear, but I thought was an earth. Oh, okay, yeah. Now I know this particular horse, if it's the one Joanne's referring to, um, super sensitive about his feet, but maybe she'll type in the chat here and let us know. Uh, Well, and- First Arab cross. Yeah, well, and
1: so, you know, back to some of the typing stuff, there, just because a horse is a certain type doesn't mean they're only going to go out of balance in that element. And then that's when I start looking at the connection, like earth controls water because you can dam up water with earth, right? So maybe needing to balance both elements potentially, um, or it might be, that if you, once you balance the water piece of it by taking away the fear, whether it's doing some acupressure you know, along the kidney meridian that then you see more of the earth tendencies once you get that resolved. Like they don't have to be that way, right? It's getting to the root of why they are fearful.
0: He would be a, a, it is Buck and he would be a very interesting horse um, uh, to take through on a typing because he's a really interesting horse, so maybe we can talk about that in a future um, uh, webinar. Because I know the horse, and um, it's Joanne's, and he, um, she's on this webinar. So anyway, okay. Yep. So getting back to our meridians right now, to so to sum up, like. When we think about uh, ligament and tendon injuries, you know, most of the time the vets come in, they'll do an ultrasound, they'll say, "Oh, you've got some damage here." And I think we're starting to find now that some of these tendon injuries are actually chronic, and that they finally, you know, we they uh, they reach a breaking point, and then we have a problem. But if we were to think about um, the liver meridian, it might be that we would pick that up sooner.
1: Yeah. So I mean, obviously. Acupressure can help with any issue, but ideally it's done more preventatively. So, we're trying to keep an animal in balance. So, there are times when, even if you don't know your horse is prone to maybe tendon and ligament injuries, the time of year for liver, gallbladder, or the wood element is spring. So, even like right now, you know, as it still is winter, but we're heading into spring, would be the time to be supporting liver and gallbladder especially if it's, you know, some of my clients' horses that I've around here, they haven't been able to ride them for a couple of weeks because we have so much snow and ice. But so if these are animals that are going into more work, getting ready for the show season, now is the perfect time to be supporting their tendons and their ligaments through acupressure. Um, You know, unfortunately, this is also when people start getting spring vaccines and all these things that are going to potentially tax the liver with toxins and whatnot. So being able to support them with acupressure and some nutrition potentially. And if you have to vaccinate, separate them out maybe if you know your horse is prone to um, either vaccine reactions or if you think you might have one that has some wood type issues. So doing, you know, tune-ups seasonally as you're heading into a season. So if you have an older horse with arthritis, You might want to be doing things before it's winter to help them be more comfortable through that season.
0: So, um, you know, and I I know like um, dandelion is really good for liver. So as we come in, yeah, we actually have plants that help support. So if I saw my horse out in the field, snarfing down dandelions, I might start to think I need to go and work on that liver meridian acupressure point. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's why, you know, like um, there's some farms and I've seen some of this when I taught in England before where they have like hedgerows of different herbs and they would hand walk the horses and kind of let themselves select to what they needed to eat to support them because they know I mean it's just our pastures or our hay don't necessarily allow to have those essential weeds that they
0: actually kind of need yeah, so uh, somebody's just saying dandelion root is specific for the liver, uh, leaf is specific for kidney. Um, yeah, just, uh, I just know that I, I was supposed to eat dandelions, but I didn't like them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and a lot of the the herbs that are going to help the liver are very bitter.
0: Yeah, and yes. Yeah. Um, and somebody's starting a project this summer with uh, medicinal plants and offering them to horses. That's awesome. And I know that Dr. Furman, I'm pretty sure it's on her uh website. She has um he- healthy herbs or healthy seeds. I've forgotten what it's called. Where you oh, can- yeah, like the that, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So you yeah. can sow different seeds in your paddocks, and that way the horses have these different plants available to them because um I've known people to, and this is kind of getting a little off topic of meridians, more into herbs and things. But you know, observing what horses choose to eat, if they have a palate available where there are a wide variety of things, you can start to figure out what's going on. Right. Um, so before I forget, I
1: just wanted to mention if anybody who's on this call or watches the replay in the next you know few days, if if anybody's interested in learning more about acupressure. Um, I do teach an acupressure certification course through the Northwest School of Animal Massage. And we're celebrating our 20 years of being a school with some specials. So this month's special is 50% off. Basically, we're rolling back prices to what they were 20 years ago. So if you're interested in taking the 200-hour acupressure program, it's a blended learning style of um, online text videos assignments and whatnot and then followed up by a five-day hands-on practical um the special price for this month it would be fifteen hundred dollars and if that does interest you you can visit nwsam.com and the coupon code to receive the discount is rollback 20
0: hang on let me see if i can type that in the chat um So it dot A-M. com. Yep. And what's the coupon? Rollback. All one word, 20. Awesome. Okay, that's in the yeah. chat. And um, yeah, okay, you unsure. Great, awesome. So, so one of the things that I kept picking up when you're talking about this is that all these meridians wind up back down there at the cornet band. Yeah, they either start there or they end there. So if we're looking at a horse that has, uh, say, an unleveled cornet band, you know, I know a lot with a lot of the farrier talks that we've done, we've looked at the cornet band and whether or not it's straight, that could be affecting some of these meridians. Oh, totally. Yeah.
1: I mean, this could be. And then at the other end, like um, I had a student um, many years ago who was an e-kind dentist so she's looking the other way, like, so she's doing the teeth, but she's also comparing the feet because of the meridians that go from the front feet up there. So yeah, anything with, you know, the farrier or the dentist, or I would think, you know, maybe even some of the stuff that the horses are doing with your surefoot pads, you know, they're trying to balance them out themselves. Right. So if they're not quite level, I would think some of what they're doing is going to impact on that level.
0: Well, and we've, we've actually seen where horses, That are in the process of being trimmed um and then they put them on the pads you can actually see the cornet band change in terms of cool angle yeah like right right then and there live um you can put them on the pads and take them off and see that there's a difference so it seems to me that um you know if you are working with a barefoot trimmer this is this becomes even more important because we're not just talking about the hoof anymore now we're talking about those ting points and it's connecting to the meridians throughout the entire body. So yet again, we have this really critical uh, focal point, the feet, where yeah. all this stuff comes down and in. And like when you're going around the cornet band, because I think for people watching this webinar, the simplest way for them to even uh, experiment with any kind of acupressure would be there. Because just, I mean, as you, as you talked, I realized, wow, this is really fascinating, but it's, it's a, a little bit deep. I mean, there's a yeah. lot to... <laughs> Well, and I even tried to make it a
1: cliff note version. I get excited and I have to share too much. But I also want people to realize this isn't just like a push button thing where, you know, you do need to understand the underlying
0: concept. Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah. I think it's fabulous. And for me, it's like my brain's going, oh, I remember, you know, that and that and putting these yeah. things together. But, you know, to give people something simple that they could do, if, if you go along the cornet band, can you feel the ting points? Can you feel the little divots? Yeah. Yeah. So basically
1: I don't know how, what part to make my hoof, but so what I will often do when I'm assessing is I will just do little tiny digital circles all the way around. And what you're feeling for is, and this is right where the hair meets the um, hoof wall. You're feeling for either temperature differences or, or differences in the tissue. Like you might go along and be like, "Huh, that's kind of puffy. And oh, huh, that's kind of sunken in. And so, if it's puffy, it's more like the energy's stuck. And if it's um, sunken in, it's more like the energy's deficient. So, you might just hang out there and see if you can get it to change either by lightly pressing or doing, you know, digital circles, depending, you know, if you have massage training or T touch or anything like that. Um, and so, they're kind of equally spaced. So, there's, You know, one between the heel bulbs, one front and center, and then there's, and then if you divide the sides, there's two medial and two lateral. And that's true on both front and hinds. And then if you want to be specific, you can look up,
0: you know, what meridian that is right and so you know we've got people commenting about doing teach us you could do the little raccoon touches yeah. um, um, or energy work but the, the the point i'm just trying to make is this is an easy access point and you don't have to be incredibly skilled to to be able to feel and even if you can't feel a heat difference just go do it yeah <laughs> you know. right oh yeah scratch
1: it or or groom it or but i think it's important you know while we're paying attention to our horse's feet doing something while you're there you could be checking it and it might be that you notice sometimes it's things feel different than other times and you know the key
0: is to catch it early right before it becomes an issue right um somebody's asking about the webinar on plants we did one with dr joyce Harmon talking about herbs so if you go and look up the playlist on the surefoot equine youtube channel for dr Harmon, all of her webinars are in a playlist so you can quickly find that we didn't talk about herbs did we no, we haven't. just what we did here. I right. mean, I don't know. We might have talked a little bit in the temperament typing. Right. No, I, Dr. Harmon and I, yeah. we did a we did a webinar on herbs. Yeah. No, um, I'm not a vet, so I can only talk about a little bit about it, but <laughs> yeah. not prescribe anything. It's really handy to have Joyce Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I talk to Madeline. I get Madeline's opinion. That's my go-to. Yep, Madeline's great. And um, uh, so, if anybody has any other questions about um, meridians for Kim, just pop it in the chat. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, Oh, if you find differences. So that's a really great question. So say you're going along and you're working along the cornet band and you feel something puffy. What's a good idea to do there?
1: Hang out, see what, just sort of experiment. Like, so if it's raised or puffy, you know can you put some light pressure into it and then kind of back off? And can you press in and then back off? Sort of like you're trying to get it to dissipate. I mean, there isn't a set way to do it. So it's kind of, some of it's gonna be intuitive But rather than be like, oh, I found something, now what do I do? Just kind of hang out and see, you know, what does my horse, and look at your horse, you know, what is my horse doing in response to this? Are they looking like, oh, that feels good? Or are they like, oh, I'm not quite sure. So if it's too sensitive, you know, you could even just put your, kind of your palm over the area. Um, And so some of it's just gonna be experimenting and seeing, but you ideally you want the whole coronet band to feel the same. So like same temperature, same sort of texture, not
0: really, um, you know, lumps and bumps here and and there. You know, and so much of it is just taking that 10 seconds to think of it, to just think of what does the quality of the cornet band feel like? I think so often we get hurried and rushed and and don't stop to even take the time. Like if it's concave, somebody's asking what, what it might mean if it's concave, but I think it's more or less if we start to to spend the time to take the moment to experiment, that it'll kind of intuitively lead us into whether we hang out there or the horses don't touch it or go somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And concave basically pro- usually means the, there isn't enough energy there. So you might want to rub it a little bit and try to um, bring energy to that area. And again, some of it may have to do with you know, if they have shoes on and where are they, the nails? And is that putting any sort of, you know, sending a message further up? Or do they have a crack, like a quarter crack? Or, um, yeah, someone's saying something about abscess. Yeah. Yeah. So if, you know, I mean, I my horse is the one who I had pictures of, Gato, he used to get some pretty serious abscesses that would blow out actually at the coronet band. I mean, they were super painful early on, but they would eventually track up and blow out up there so you know you can those ones might be painful to work on but that's why you know vets will sometimes they'll bleed these points these ting points in laminitis cases with the theory being get the pain or the toxins out of the meridian before it starts going upstream
0: right Yes. And somebody's uh, commenting that uh, following the bladder meridian with my hand makes my horse yawn and yawn. And I know bladder meridian is one of those I've heard a lot of masters and people talk about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the techniques he teaches. And yeah, I think then knowing the connection to the internal organs that if, you know, if there's one thing you're going to take away from this, in addition to the, to the ting points would be tracing the bladder meridian, you know, and just because of those points they're going to impact all the organs so that's a really nice you know way to help your horse stay balanced or help them get back into balance if there's something slightly off
0: yep so um oh rats so there was one other thing i was going to bring up oh yeah um so you know and then the other thing is if you do feel something in the cornet band and then you can come back to this webinar and figure out you know is it more to, uh, to the back of the foot or the front of the foot and what meridian, and then just see if there are other things that Kim's talked about here that kind of fit your horse. In other words, this is another data point, another piece of information. And maybe we come back to the webinar and go, oh yeah, that fit my horse. It was puffy there or empty there. And that's this meridian ting point. And I've noticed these other things. So, you know, yeah. the more data we can gather, the more um, sort of that holistic approach of just, kind of seeing how the whole ball of wax is, is matching up, gives us a lot of information and can really help us. Absolutely. Yes. It's all connected one way or another. It's just putting those connections together. Great. Well, Kim, this has been another fabulous webinar. I want to thank you so much. And just tell everybody again, um, the workshop is, how long is the special on for? Through the end of, the, of February. So the 28th. Oh, not much time. All right. No. So, all right folks, so they can go to sell, say who, what the website is again, I've forgotten already. <laughs> NWSAM.com. Great, awesome. And also remember to go and enter for the contest this week. It's week four, we got uh, week four and five and then week six, we're gonna make sure that if you're, you're entered in all five weeks for that grand prize drawing. So Kim, thank you so much for coming back. Maybe we'll um, talk about doing like a case study and working it through together. I think that might be really fun. Yeah, that could be fun, sure. Um, and thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to see you again. And I hope the snow melts soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yes. And I'll be talking with you soon. Yep. All right. Thanks everybody for joining All right, me. Thanks everybody. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye. Bye.